Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com mother. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. This is Dimity in Denver. And um, Sarah, I've got some exciting news for you. (gasps) What is it? Um, It's been two, actually two and a half full days (laughs) that I haven't had alcohol, caffeine, or sugar. I'm uh, I'm doing kind of a mini, you know, I I did clean, I believe it was a year ago or a year ago, August, where I did that clean book where I really overhauled my diet and you know, your did, cleanse. Yeah. It was kind of a cleanse. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, smoothies in the morning and at night and then a big meal in the middle of the day and, mm-hmm. you know, gluten free and no dairy and, and all this stuff. And I'm, and I'm kind of eating that way too. Um, mm. but, uh, but yeah, I just, we, even though this isn't running, I know that this podcast is, we're talking middle of November right now, mm-hmm. but we just got back from St. Louis and I just got home and I was like, I just feel yuck <laughs> you know i feel kind I of it wasn't having to change planes in chicago but no, instead no, of flying nonstop like you normally do uh-huh. no and i mean i've been feeling this way for a while you know i know that food has such a incredible effect on my personality and my thoughts and i just oh i never i, that I never I noticed to... that dimity no not at all <laughs> um so yeah so i just decided and i mean i feel good i mean the thing about it is i feel so much more level-headed it's amazing to me i just wish I didn't know this whole other subset of food existed, you know, like if I, if I knew, if I didn't know that like kale and quinoa and Brussels sprouts was all I could have for dinner, you know, if that was my only option for the rest of my life, Uh like I'd be fine, you know, but now, but I know that I can have, you know, a sirloin steak and ice cream for dessert. And that, you know, that's what gets me, uh, you know, kind of. Well, see, I I typically live. Uh, most of the time, I live two thirds of the way like you do. I don't. Uh, I don't drink caffeine, and uh, I typically. But you drink. But you drink caffeine-free diet coke, which I know is not caffeine. But what's the point of drinking that? I mean, I also have. Talking, for the record, I haven't. That. I rarely. I don't drink that all that often anymore. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I have soda in general. Like, I guess. I mean, I. You know, I could get on a soapbox forever about that, but. I mean, that's why. Like, why drink it? Why even drink diet coke? Because I like the. Fl- well, I like the flavor of it. You like the flavor of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like the flavor of decaf Diet Coke. <laughs> don't, you ju- don't you judge me. <laughs> right, I'm not judging you, but I mean, could you pronounce one ingredient on the back of decaf Diet Coke? Oh, come on. I eat so healthy otherwise that that's not going to do me any harm. And, you know, okay. I just I just feel that so, I mean, you know, I, I don't smoke. I don't drink caffeine. I don't eat beef. You know, it's like I eat tons of vegetables and fruit. You know, just just give me my decaf Diet Coke. Uh, you know, I can't even remember the last time, probably two weeks ago, maybe. So oh, okay. Okay. I'm not going right. to feel any guilt about those. But I'm not saying you should feel guilty, but I'm saying, but so, okay, so you say you eat like that two thirds of the time? Well, that I uh, that I typically, uh, I mean, when we travel, I uh, will enjoy a glass of wine, which um, 
brings me to on uh, when we were in St. Louis, we went to Robust. It was a wine bar. And so I got that flight of wine. It was three three ounce servings. And if you'll recall, I just adored one of them. And so I took a picture of it. And then yesterday, I just had a really um, tough afternoon. And uh, Jack and I were coming home from um, an appointment that we had. And that was why I had a tough afternoon. And um, that I was just, I said, oh, do you think Whole Foods carries, has a good wine selection? He's like, why? And I'm like, because I need a glass of wine when I get home. And he was like, oh, like, couldn't believe that because I usually do not drink at home. And so we went to this uh, bottle shop that's near our house that he actually had to talk to the owner of anyway for some business for the Irvington Home Tour that he's on the board of. And uh, so we went in and I bought a bottle of that wine that I so enjoyed in they St. Louis. It. Oh, awesome. I was very awesome. excited. Yeah. And so... Um, then and I was I thought maybe the kids would say something when I, I was drinking it while I was preparing dinner last night, and uh, they're used to seeing Jack drink at home. Not you know not a ton, but he definitely has. Um, you, you name it, he has beer, he has wine, he has spirits. Um, so <laughs> sometimes all in the same evening. Um, so anyway, so the kids did not say anything like, "Mom, why are you drinking?" Because they they have. I think Daphne has asked me within the past two, three months, oh, mama, you don't drink like Papa does you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, some, you know, I have something to drink every once in a while. So anyway, uh, but then also. Yeah, you definitely need a good, a good, a good glass of wine every once in a while. Oh, yes. And it was, yeah, it was a $14 bottle of wine. So, you know, by my standards where I usually, you know, get something. Two buck chuck. <laughs> yeah. Right. One step up from that for book group, but. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And so then the other thing that I have been enjoying, uh, maybe it's why I haven't drank the decaf diet Coke much lately is that, um, back in March, I think was the Portland party. Um, uh, two women were guests at our party and they brought us, uh, gifts. They brought me gifts from, uh, insomnia coffee company, which is a coffee company, um, outside of Portland. And, one was coffee, so that gave that to Jack. But then this other one was their house chai. And Dim, as you know, I occasionally enjoy a chai, but I don't like – it usually has caffeine, and so I don't like that. And so – but you also know, Dimity, that I can tend to um, keep things for a long time. <laughs> Say, for example, I still have that um, – the maple sugar candy that I bought last fall in Concord, Massachusetts. Yes. Yeah, it's not. It's not any good. It's time to throw that away. Your kids are not going to want it. It's time, the expiration date has passed. Okay. So, so, but you know that I have a tendency to to squirrel yeah. things away. To squ- yes. I'm not going to use the word hoard. I just squirrel yep. things squirrel. away. That's yes. Good. Yep. So, so I stick it in your cheek like a little acorn, and there it is. And you pull out. You're like, wow, I have chai from Mar- last month. I did. I so forgot about this. So I totally forgot about it. But then Jack opened it up it's mainly because i don't know how to work our coffee maker i don't know how to make coffee at all like i just don't uh, comprehend it's not in your wheelhouse I it get is it. not I get so it. so but jack ripped that bad boy open and made a whole pot of it and turns out it's just like hot cocoa that you it, you just spoon a bunch into a mug and then put hot water or, or warm milk over it and stir it, it it's not something and it is the tastiest stuff ever and so I looked it up online. It is 98% caffeine free and it is nice. my new drink. drink drink that I delight Move in. Move over. Move over caffeine free diet coke. There is a new, yeah, new. almost ca- decaffeinated drink in town. Yeah, I like, so, I like that's awesome. Yeah, so it's and it has none of the bitterness. It has doesn't have that tang like metallic tang on my tongue. So I actually uh and another thing you know about me is that I'm um thrifty. I'm a cheapskate and so <laughs> 
<laughs> Usually I would have finished <laughs> off that. Just lay this out. Hoarding, cheapskate. <laughs> right. I don't drink at home. Yeah. So that, uh, um, and that's so funny. The intro was going to be all about you and now it's all about me. <laughs> and, uh, that is okay. I, I know I've, I've already gotten my mind how we're going to circle back to, to uh, our to topic. Me, so don't worry. Yeah. Okay. So, so anyway, so typically I would have been like, oh, okay, that's too bad. We finished off that bag. And instead I looked it up online. You can order it off of um, the Square Marketplace. And so I ordered two bags of it, which was a big splurge for me. They showed up the next day because it's only, you know, two towns away. And I'm just enjoying it. Sometimes I make it with milk. So I'm getting some calcium and it's just delightful. Nice. So anyway, what's, so, what's, the so, of, what's the name of it again? Yeah. So it's, um, and I do want, I, there is a point in me telling the story. It is from um, Insomnia Coffee Company. It is House Chai. And I want to find out the two women who gave me that Insomnia Coffee Company product because I want to thank them. So um, a belated. You didn't thank them in person. I did. I thanked <laughs> them, but I wasn't I'll effusive. I'll take that from you. I yes. won't take that I, But I wasn't effusive. I didn't know how much I loved it. So I want to, uh, so if they're listening or if someone knows who it is that gave me that or something. So um, yes, yes. So so bring it home, Dimity. Bring us so into so our we're, topic. We're back. We're so, well, I, I can't quite get to the topic, but I will in a minute. But yeah, so that's, so I mean, this whole eating clean thing, I mean, um, I um I am not doing it straight up like the way that they have you because first of all it's not enough calories for me I mean I am hungry I can't be that kind of hungry uh-huh. um but secondly I just like I just can't you know like you know like you need a glass of wine in the morning these days I need uh, a chai a glass so of I make wine. it <laughs> yeah exactly so in the morning I have a beer um so uh so yes yeah, so I've been making a little chai with almond milk so I am oh. using almond milk instead of you know dairy milk so that's good but mm-hmm. um. So we've got an important topic today that we that we've meant to have on for a long time, and that is self-defense for female runners. We've got the perfect expert to talk to. Her name is Susan Shorn. She is a self-defense expert and second-degree black belt who has been teaching karate and self-defense for almost 15 years. So Susan is also a recreational runner and a mother of two, and you can find her at susanshorn.com, which is Susan S-C-H-O-R-N.com. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Susan, so stay with us. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook that Dimity is considering, and you might want to too, is A House in the Sky, a memoir. It's written by Amanda Lindout and a college rowing teammate of mine, Sarah Corbett, talks about Amanda's upbringing in rural Canada and leads to her 15 months of harrowing captivity in Somalia. And it seems appropriate to talk about that given the topic of today's show. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com mother. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com mother. And now back to our show. Thanks for joining us, Susan, to talk about personal safety. We're uh, glad we found you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So so we had trouble finding the right expert to talk about personal safety while running because we want to help women and not scare them. And um, I felt like I struck gold. That is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I felt like we struck gold uh, when we found you um, because you said in an email that you teach self-defense from an empowerment perspective. Mm-hmm. None of this never go out alone or don't venture anywhere new. So um, tell us why you want to dispel that way of thinking. Cause, well, we cause get we so do much too. of that. Don't yeah. we? We, get, we hear that a lot. We hear, don't go out alone. Don't avoid dark places. Don't go out after nightfall. 
um, all of these things that really you sort of have to do if you if you want to run. I mean, if you want to train for a marathon and you have a full-time job and kids or kids, one or the other, you're going to be running in the dark. There's no way to get the miles in, <laughs> not in, not in this hemisphere, and, and, and get – and do all that in the daylight hours. So really a lot of this advice that we get, these emails that people pass around that say things like don't – what are some of them? Don't wear overalls. Have you gotten that one? That <laughs> rapists target women with overalls or ponytails because ponytails are really easy to grab. We get all these really weird pieces of advice, but they all sort of add up to don't go out. Don't go do things. Don't be present in your world, in your environment. Don't you know, don't be a runner. Really. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just wrong. We We have every right – and it's healthy and normal to go out and experience your world in the way that, that you want to do it. And so we need advice that will help us do that rather than just telling us not to bother. Well, and you also said in that email that um, personal safety is, a much, is much more about small habitual behaviors that are easy to practice. Yes. Um, and we like that little small little bites that most women can digest. So what, what kind of behaviors and habits um, are you referring to? The neat thing about this is that a lot of these are habits that runners already have sort of built into themselves. So a lot of this is very natural for runners. You're talking about things like um, being aware of your environment, knowing where you are in space, you know, kind of maybe planning your route. One thing that I think a lot of women um, already do and more of us should do is to look into uh, so the crime reports for areas mm -hmm. where you run. See if you can go online and look up. Um, you know, these are the streets that I run on. These are the neighborhoods that I'm typically in. What are the crime reports like in this area? And if there are crimes, what kinds of crimes are happening and where and when? And what's the, you know, what's the follow up on that? And if that information isn't available to you, then another skill you can use is persistence, which runners have <laughs> a very highly developed sense of, which is to go find out. Why isn't this information available? That can add to everybody's safety. It's very doable with the technology that we have now. And it can help you not just um, avoid trouble, but sort of see the patterns in your neighborhood or the places where you go. It can help you plan ahead uh, and plan around things. And so making a habit of kind of seeking new information and putting all of that into your, your workout and your strategy, um, I think that's another habit that, that runners already have that we can just expand a little bit more into the area of personal safety. Mm -hmm. that, that brings to mind um, something that um, this is probably bad to admit, but that my running partner and I joke about. There's we got a couple emails saying that there's a flasher in our neighborhood, <laughs> and um, you know that I mean there is something kind of silly about you know uh, a person you know exposing themselves, but I mean now that I think about it, you know it's sort of not something we should be laughing about and joking about. I mean. Um, what are your thoughts it, like? It's not. It, it's definitely something that can escalate too. So it's a behavior that is problematic for a lot of reasons, not just because woo hoo, who wants to look at you know a naked person at six in the morning or whatever right. you're out running. Um, we had an incident here about a year and a half ago where a woman was uh, was murdered in her home on New Year's Eve, and it turned out that the perpetrator who ended up committing suicide he had a record of. Uh, exposing himself in the neighborhood. Mm. And, and and it turned out he'd also been involved in some other assaults. So it was part of a pattern of behavior mm -hmm. um, that had um, that had escalated uh, and somebody ended up uh, getting killed because of it. So uh, you know, not, not to tell you that that means that this whoever this person is that, that's uh, being reported on, on your email list um, is a murderer or a potential murderer. But violence, people don't start out as murderers. You know, people mm. don't start out as really violent perpetrators. They build up to that. Mm -hmm. They have to sort of learn their skills. And so if you can intervene and if we can uh, uh, 
find a solution to the violence when it's at a lower level instead of just, oh, everybody avert your eyes. We don't want to look at the naked guy. Say, Mm -hmm. let's get him off the street. Let's find out what's going on. Let's disrupt this behavior. Let's stop it. That's much more effective, I think. And one of the things that I like to talk about is that personal safety for me isn't just about being safe or being a safe person. I want to be a safer person in a safer world. Mm -hmm. And in order to make that happen, I have to connect with other people. So I can't develop a model for me that's all about staying behind locked doors and, you know, uh, carrying weapons and doing all these things. I really have to reach out and, and network and connect. And that's, I'm really interested to hear that you heard about this over over an email exchange. Is that where you got the information? Yes. Yeah, so I know, um, uh, I mean, I live in Portland itself, but it's very neighborhoody feeling and um, mm-hmm. but houses are kind of close and a lot of people know each other. And so it was just um, I got an email about it. My running partner who lives about six blocks away, she got an email from somebody else. And um, and then there's also been a whole bunch of um, tires being slashed in the neighborhood. So there's been a oh, lot of no. emails kind of – and I'm not saying the two are related, but it's just sure. there's been a lot of emails about – you know, happenings in the neighborhood. So that's why it's so kind of gone around. Another thing that, that this is great, you can kind of see the natural behaviors that people start to, to engage in when they feel like there's a potential threat. Um, and another thing that I think runners are, are pretty good at, um, not all of us, but mm-hmm. some of us, which is kind of organizing and, and mm-hmm. um, um, planning things out, are really good at like organizing races and organizing benefits and things like that. If you can become the person or, or uh, sort of detail a person to be sort of the, the, the point person on this and say, okay, who has filed police reports about this? Mm-hmm. Who's the police officer who responded? Mm-hmm. What are the case numbers? And do some follow-up and find and sort, sort of formalize the the reporting on this so that you get there's more more than just a bunch of rumors, but you get kind of one clear picture. What happens a lot of times is somebody drops the ball. The police will maybe come investigate, and then if nobody if people stop complaining, they just let it go because they have other things to right. do. But if that's your neighborhood, you want to know that the threat is really resolved, so you can. Um, I really recommend making a contact at the at the police station. Say who who is our neighborhood uh, watch officer, or who is the mm-hmm. uh, the police officer who would normally respond to these complaints. Get that person in your you know get their number in your phone, get their card in your Rolodex, whatever mm-hmm. contact method you have, and stay in touch with them. And you don't have to feel like a pest for doing that because I'll tell you something that that runners have to offer. Um, peacekeepers and and other people who are charged formally with keeping us safe is that we're out there on the streets. Right. Hours and hours every day, we're out there observing, and and we go we go back to areas, so we follow up and we see things over and over again. We we notice patterns. Mm-hmm. If a if a house seems run down, and we see you know like more broken windows every time we run past, we notice that we accrue all that, mm-hmm. and we can share that information with people who can help to keep us safe. So if you can build those sorts of relationships um, in your community with people um, uh, in law enforcement, people in your neighborhood, people in your runners club, those sorts of things can go a long way too toward uh, keeping individuals safe and making communities safer as well. Right. That's an interesting point because uh, someone from uh, our street has done that with the tire slashings, uh-huh. which have been more prevalent so far, what it sounds like, than the, this flasher. But mm-hmm. um, but it makes me just think, well, you know, if, if Richie can do that about the tire slasher, then maybe I could do that about the the flasher. I think it's, you know, think of how much time you spend stretching before you run. Well, if you're like me, you don't mm-hmm. spend We know we're supposed to, we should spend at least three to five minutes, you know, stretching before and, and stretching a little bit in the cool out. And if you think about, well, I can spend three to five minutes today sending an email. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a pre- you, just like stretching. It's a preventive measure that you take to for, for your health and to keep yourself safe so you don't get injured. It's the same thing. But when you do it through an email or you make a phone call or, or you do some follow up, you're helping to keep everybody safe, too, which is, I think, a really good investment of your time. Mm-hmm. That's a- 
I love the, the big perspective that you're talking about. Uh-huh. But I mean, if we can um, just like narrow it down for just a minute and just sure. say we've got a typical mother runner. She's got to go out at 530 in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's dark. She's going by herself. What would you have her do if she came to you and said, okay. help me make so my run So first, hopefully, before possible. she goes out, she has a plan. So she's look, she knows the, the neighborhoods that she's running in. She knows if there's been criminal activity or there, what kind it is. Um, and, and another thing I encourage people to do is when you have a route, even if you don't know your exact route, you're going to kind of run and explore. Think about um, Think ahead about potential exit routes ways that you might change direction if you need to. So if you're running down a street and you think, you know what, I don't think this is really, this is looking kind of dodgy. And I turn around, I'm going to turn around and go a different way. So don't, don't, don't narrow your route to where there's only one way that you know how to go, right? Mm-hmm. I run with my phone now because with Google Maps, it's just so much easier to avoid getting lost mm-hmm. and, sure. and running the same hill over and over again. <laughs> so uh, so if, you, if, you, if you like to have some kind of GPS or nav service, I think that can help too. But thinking ahead to where um, you might have, or where you might find safe points. So if you're running in a neighborhood you know is very dark and people are not up that time of day, think about, well, where's the nearest convenience store? Where's the nearest place? If I had trouble that I could get to within a block or two, I could cut over there, I could go through this, it would be a good place. And just have those little safe places that you can uh, have in your mind as you're running so that you you know you could get to them if you needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also think about, so I tell people that strategically when you're if you feel like you're in a bad situation or you know you're in a bad situation you want to move toward greater safety so that means generally moving toward light moving toward mm-hmm. where there's more traffic where there's more people where there's more sound and more activity um, that's not always going to be the case if it's a very isolated situation since 2011 BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy for humans BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love, for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com. Dot com slash AMR. That's BarkBox.com slash AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com AMR. 
church and had a friend who was um, actually had a, a an armed a gunman get into her car with her. Uh, she had just pulled into her her carport, and um, she got out the other side and ran. And um, I can't remember. I think it was dusk. I don't think it was quite dark yet. But what she ended up, she ran about half a block, and then she got under a car that mm. was parked in somebody else's driveway. So I think the lesson to take there is that safety can also be anywhere where an assailant doesn't know you are. Mm. So if you're running in the dark, in the dark you feel like it's sort of a disadvantage because anybody could be out there. But on the other hand, if it's dark, you can use that to your advantage as, as a way to escape, to get mm -hmm. away, to, mm -hmm. to find a place to hide. So having safe points is good, but also knowing that you could create a safe point if you have to out of darkness or out of other obstacles. Those are good things to think about. Mm -hmm. um, so let me, let me interrupt you for one second. Yeah, um, please. So, so a couple of things. I mean, music is huge. Um, mm -hmm. So what's your take on music? And then also a couple of other things. And I would just love your perspective of like I've read on our Facebook page that women memorize um, license plates or they mm -hmm. like notice what other people are wearing so that they, you know, runners that they pass um, yeah. just so they have some kind of frame of reference. I mean, what what do you think of those kind of things? Okay, well, I'll start with the with the music. The music. So I don't That's... run with a with a with music because um, <laughs> then I don't breathe. <laughs> as it turns out, <laughs> it's kind of not very healthy for me. So I'm not really sure how people's experience is of of hearing the music and hearing ambient sound from outside. Can you can still hear ambient sound, right? When you're wearing, I guess depends it depends on how the, high the or it also depends on the um, the earbuds you're using. I mean, I okay. I specifically. Um, use ones that allow me to hear ambient sound, but I have tried ones that it's just like that that's all you can out. hear. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it's a balance because sometimes, you know, you want to be present in your environment, you want to be aware, but there's a lot of times when you're running when you're really actively trying to dissociate yeah, from sure. what you're feeling physically. Yeah. So, so there's that balance. Um, and so I, my position is not you should do one or the other. I would say be aware of the choice that you're making. And if you're going to use sound and, and wear earphones, be aware that you're, you're losing a lot of information. You might want to shut off the music in, in, on certain streets or in certain neighborhoods. Make sure, you know, pull out the earbuds if you have any doubts about what's going on. Um, just use it judiciously. I mean, I think it's something that really I, f I feel that earbuds are much more of a risk from traffic than they are from, you know, somebody who's going to jump out of the bushes because you don't hear vehicles coming and, and I think more injuries happen from being hit by cars as a right. runner than, uh, than uh, attacks. Um, so on that one, I think and, and you don't have to wear them all the time. You can wear them part of the run or you can wear them on some runs and not others. So mm -hmm. that's just a trade-off that I think everybody has to make. I'm sorry, and I've forgotten what the second part well, of that was. So the question. other one was just being – well, and it is, I mean, being aware. Oh, of memorizing stuff. So, yeah. yeah, memorizing like license plates or, or you know, what somebody's wearing or – um, yeah, it just feels like – it's always good advice to notice things, to make a habit of noticing things that are going on in your environment. Um, memorizing, I'm not so good at. And if I tried to do that while I was running, I would probably... <laughs> my, yeah, my brain would ooze out my ears, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of OCD issues anyway. That's partly why I run to sort of work them out. So, uh, so if I'm trying to keep a list of all of the different things... that is, now Some people are very good at it and can do that. Um, but I think you can make a mental note of things that, that seem suspicious or that seem off. Um, or, you know, you can jot them down or make a note in your Palm Pilot when you're done running or whatever. Um, I, but I do like that idea of, of paying attention so that you notice when something's different, something's off. And, and something else I want to just uh, recommend very strongly is that when we teach self-defense, we talk to women about trusting your gut, trusting that feeling that you have that something's not right, something's a little different. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
apart from just like, well, I'm going to memorize this license plate number and report it back later to somebody. Um, if you're if you ever encounter a situation and you're out running or or anywhere really that feels really wrong, just trust your gut and leave. <laughs> just leave. You don't have to think about well, okay, what's the you know I have to follow all the steps here. You don't. You can just turn around and go the other way. You can just get out of the situation. And a lot of times when you are um, you, you experience kind of physical cues of discomfort when somebody's maybe invading your personal space, so it feels like somebody's following you or somebody's you know you've seen the same car drive past you two or three times, which seems a little odd. So that you know you don't have to like wait and figure that out. Okay, is this a legitimate situation or is it not? Just take the steps to disrupt it. Go you know go between houses and go to another street, quit your run early and make a phone call, uh, whatever you have to do, but really listen to those cues. So this, yes, the strange car that you notice or the person who looks a little weird, but I, I would want people to be more proactive than even just memori- memorizing some information. If they really feel there's a problem, mm-hmm. go, go ahead and get out of it. Just get out of it. Get out of the situation. Mm-hmm. So how crucial is it that a uh, woman runner know some self-defense techniques? And, and it are there any simplistic ones you can kind of talk us through? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, a lot of self-defense, you know, you go, if you take a class, they'll teach you certain things that are, they're very helpful. And it's great to take a class like that just to sort of get a sense of how much you can do. Mm-hmm. But really, a lot of the, the best techniques that are taught in self-defense classes don't need to be taught. If you really need to fight, your body is going to handle a lot of this for you. You have a lot of weapons that you already know how to use. That's a gift from evolution. And so, um, you know, the, the things that you don't have to learn to punch a certain way or anything like that. The, a key principle to remember, if you're in a situation where you need to use physical force to defend yourself, and, and we should probably specify, there's a whole spectrum of, you know, kind of types of assault. There, and, and the vast majority, I think the CDC statistics are only about 13% of sexual assaults are actually strangers. So you're really, you're safer outside than you are inside and you're Mm. safer around strangers statistically than you are around people you know. It's just the way it is. Um, But you've got a a lot more assault situations that that build gradually and there's sort of um, uh, an approach assault. So the person's Mm. going to try and gradually encroach on your boundaries and talk to you and maybe get you to go somewhere voluntarily. And those are things where, you know, you, you have to learn the patterns and you learn to say no. And I don't think those things usually arise when you're running. In mm-hmm. running, what women typically worry about, again, it's very uncommon, but it does happen, is more of the blitz assault where somebody jumps on you, grabs you. And that's a situation where it's very clear from the outset, you need to respond physically, you need to do it. And the statistics show you need to do it quickly and you need to do it full force. You don't just try and hurt them a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. You go you go in to do some damage so that you can get away. Um, so the principle there that we want to think about is we want to, ideally, we want to look for soft targets on the human body, of which there are a ton. Mm. And you, you generally <laughs> want to use um, I like that the, har- the harder weapons. So some of my favorite targets on the human body um, are the eyes. And speaking as someone who's been stabbed in the eye with a rubber knife, I can tell you that any damage that's done to my eye is going to stop me in my tracks because I have to make sure that my eyeball is still in the socket. (laughs) So if you can put a thumb into an attacker's eye and you only have to go about a 16th of an inch in um, to damage it, um, you're going to startle them and very probably break their hold and give yourself a good opportunity to go away. And you don't have to do like any fancy jabbing or poking. You just slap your hand up against their cheek and roll that thumb forward into there. It's very easy to do. You can try it on a friend who really, really trusts you. <laughs> I would say you could try it on your children, right? <laughs> just kidding. Yes, 
getting that with a joke. I've come close. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can and you can attack the eyes in lots of ways. You can rake with the fingernails across, or kind of horizontally with kind of like a bear claw approach, or you can go down with the you know the fingernails. Fingernails are a very natural weapon for women. Mm-hmm. Um, another good soft target is the throat and the Adam's apple, which is particularly vulnerable in men. And you can attack that lots of ways. My favorite way is with if you hold your uh, your hand up in front of you with your fingers flat together and your thumb out at a right angle, so it makes kind of an L shape mm-hmm. inside there. That we call that tiger mouth in uh, karate, and and uh, pushing that straight up, driving that fast and hard straight up into the trachea mm-hmm. is a very good way to uh, to to disrupt somebody's breathing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll put I'll put it nicely. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> so the throat's a good target. So throat and eyes are two of my favorites, um, and then the next obvious one is the groin, mm-hmm. which uh, we talk about kneeing people in the groin, kicking people in the groin. If it's close and you're being grappled, you want to grab. You want to come up from underneath, catch hold of everything you can, <laughs> grab it hard. I'm, I don't know if your tech is still on the line. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be very uncomfortable for men to listen to. But it's a very uh, vulnerable point. And if you come up underneath and grab, you can squeeze, you can twist, whatever, all of those things. That's going to severely impair a man's mobility and make it much easier for you to get away. So those are three attacks that are anybody can do mm-hmm. um, and will will usually give you uh, enough uh, damage uh, to get away. Um, there's lots more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, those, <laughs> but those a basic self-defense really class will, will teach you and let you practice a bunch of them too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like how practical those sound. They sound very, you know, doable and, and um, natural. You know, yeah, that, I mean, instinctual. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, I've got to make sure to get my you know, my right hand over to his Yeah, left, there's, you know? there's usually little time for that. <laughs> so sure, it's really, sure. it's not necessary. You want to just go hard and, and, and go fast and get out. And running, this is another thing that's great about being a runner is that when we talk to women about self-defense scenarios, a lot of times issues are things like, well, I'm wearing high heels, I'm wearing a short skirt, because the key in any self-defense situation is to get away. You're not there to like beat somebody up and lay them out flat on the ground. You are just want to get away. That's your goal. And uh, that can be a lot harder to do if you're wearing, you know, three-inch heels. Whereas if you're out running, you're you're ready to go. You're right. like, and you're warmed up. Your heart rate's already up. So it's like you're ready to fight and you're ready to go. So you really – you kind of have that have that advantage. Well, so both Sarah and I are um, tall women. I'm almost – or Sarah's almost six feet and I'm over six feet. Um, and we're both runners, so we're pretty strong. And um, sometimes we suspect that we feel safer in the dark um, or new environments just because um, – we, you know, we're, we feel, I feel pretty imposing. I mean, are we mm-hmm. fooling ourselves into thinking our size helps us stay safer? Or, oh, I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I think, and I think too, and I have a daughter who is tall. I'm not, I'm 5'4", I'm average, but my daughter is, my daughter is nine years old. She can already pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> I love her, that. Yeah, her She's dad is, footsteps, my husband's, watch out for your, watch out no for your kidding, yeah, this is my bodyguard stay. here, right? <laughs> my fourth, fourth grade bodyguard. Um, and she's got very tall, very tall men on my husband's side of the family. So she kind of has that bearing already. And I have a number of friends in karate who are big and imposing. And really, um, there's, there's all different kinds of assault. And it's hard to say what's going to make somebody target somebody for assault. But um, being just looking bigger and stronger helps. And if you're not tall, there's lots of ways that you can project that kind of confidence and that kind of power too. And it has to do with body posture and eye contact and balance and, and all those things. So I don't think you are deluding yourselves. I mean, one of the things we try to do in a self-defense class is to get women of any size 
to really recognize the power that they already have. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about being a tall person, being a big person is you probably have more opportunities to to experience that about yourself Mm -hmm. than if you're small. And so you have that sort of confidence, you know what your body can do for you. And that's, and that's not false. (laughs) That's, Mm -hmm. that's very good information. You know what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully that doesn't mean that you're, you know, going out and doing all sorts of death defying things and running through, you know, opium dens, things like that, because you feel invulnerable. I don't think that's what you're doing. <laughs> well, and so Susan, how do you, how do you, I mean, so you are five, four, so how do you project self-confidence? I mean, you said like eye contact and body posture. I mean, what are some simple things again, that, that can make a woman feel, you know, like when you, when you come up to a bear, you like hold your arms up, like I am as big as you, like how can a woman like kind of virtually <laughs> do that? Right. <laughs> well, of course your mother always tells you, tells you to stand up straight and have good posture, right? <laughs> so that's still important. Um, and one thing that I actually have to, I struggle with a lot is forward head posture. I spend a lot of time at the computer mm. day in and day out. So I have that sort of forward stoop. So that's one thing that, that one reason that I run is to try and work on that is to just keep my head neutral, keep my head position neutral. So doing that, practicing that all the time, running is a great opportunity to practice good posture because if you had bad posture when you run, you don't run as fast and you tend to hurt more. So another good reason to run. So having that kind of um, lengthening the spine, um, squaring the shoulders, letting the, uh, the, the, the hips, I think of it as kind of like, I imagine having a coat hanger stuck in the back of my shirt and somebody pulling up on the hook, just sort of lifts mm. so that everything hangs from my shoulders downward, right? So the shoulders come up. Um, thinking about stance, so when you are, obviously when you're running, you're running. When you're standing, um, a more confident posture is going to involve usually um, both feet on the ground and both feet uh, flat on the ground. So rather than you know, having kind of one foot weighted and the other one not weighted, one foot up, one foot hooked around the other, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, having the uh, shoulders, so you, there's different things you can do with the shoulders. If you are trying to project confidence toward one particular person, you generally want to have the hips and the shoulders squared up to them. Mm-hmm. And the eye contact is very important too. So keeping the gaze level and not looking down at the ground. You don't necessarily have to look directly at a person, but looking down at the ground tends to telegraph. It's a, more of a submissive posture. Mm-hmm. And that it, it telegraphs um, passivity to an observer, and it also can make you feel more passive when you do mm-hmm. it. So it actually has that, literally has that sort of effect on your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of these are things that you know are static more when you're standing or, or on a day-to-day basis, not when you're out running. When you're running, I think most of the things that we tell people about good running form apply. So in a changing topic a little, in a recent blog post on your site, you called smartphones the ideal defensive weapon. And um, so how do you see that notion applying to runners? Like, are there any apps you recommend or advice on how to utilize a smartphone while running? Oh, there's so many ways. And people come up with new ways every day. (laughs) It's just amazing. (laughs) What I like about cell phones is the way that they connect us. Because that, again, is part of my, you know, one of my really big discoveries as I've I've spent more time in in, um, self-defense is that it it really is about connecting to other people. Um, I have an app called Circle of Six that I use. uh, That's a free app. And it lets you set up sort of advanced calls to people and you mm. can with with the push of a button you can send different kinds of help messages um i i also have a first aid app that i like a lot which i think <laughs> is important for runners everybody should know how to call 911 on their phone you know mm. right away um i think um the uh, you can use cell phones. Uh, you know, so you're saying like you can take a, uh, you can memorize a license plate number. Well, I couldn't memorize license plate numbers, but if I saw something really weird, I could take a picture of it with my phone, mm-hmm. and sure. either have the picture on my phone or send it to my you know send it to somebody or send it to myself at home via email right away. Mm-hmm. So f- phones are also useful in that sort of keeping a record 
mm-hmm. of, of what's going on and kind of build, building a, an evidence trail or here's what I saw today, here's what I saw last week. These two things seem very different. Um, and remember back at the beginning, I talked about having like exit routes and safe points on your run. Mm-hmm. So you can think of having those sorts of things built into your phone too. If I'm in this neighborhood and I, and I have a problem, is there somebody who lives nearby that mm. I could call? If mm-hmm. I'm running, if I'm in a town that I don't live in, I'm here, you know, on work and I'm running, who, what's the concierge at my hotel? You know, could I put that number in the phone? So if I get lost, I have someone to call mm-hmm. and using, using the phone as a way to connect you with, uh, those safe points and help you find the exit routes if you have trouble uh, is another good use of it. Um, well, so our last question for you, Susan, you've been amazing. And um, so you have a book out and it's called Smile at Strangers and Other <laughs> Lessons in the Art of Living Fearlessly, which that title, I love it. It's a very badass mother runner title. Kind of a mouthful, but yeah. <laughs> Thank it you. is. But I like the idea of lessons in the art of living fearlessly, living fearlessly. So what's your number one lesson in the art of running fearlessly? <laughs> Don't stop. <laughs> my only my own it's, it's it's all I took into running and that's all I've taken out of it is just don't stop so um and I think that's that actually is it's a very good uh, piece of advice for self-defense too at, at both of these levels that we're talking about kind of on the macro level of connecting and networking about being persistent with you know a lot of people will say look the flasher's gone let's not worry about it anymore you know but follow up and, and, and being persistent and, and don't stop until you get answers to these kinds of questions and you get some resolution. I think that's important because how often do you hear, oh, somebody was attacked on the trail and then you never hear anything else. Mm-hmm. Nobody's yeah. ever caught. You don't know if anybody ever, if it happened to anybody else, you don't know who did it. And that just creates more uncertainty, which, which you know, is not something you want to go out into necessarily. The more we leave these murky places in the world, the more we're sort of closing off areas that we would feel free to go and explore. So being persistent and, and don't stop there, that's the lesson. And then with me, running is just about, you know, I, I'm never going to be fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to be a, a, a bolt of lightning. But the the persistence has been the best lesson about it. For, and it's really paid off because, <clears throat> like, I just moved up into a new age category. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> this is a great strategy, really. If you can't get faster, get older because you will move up in the rankings. We can all do that too, Susan. It's all exactly. Beautiful. All you have to do is don't stop. Just keep showing up at the races. And, you know, people, people, a lot of other people will, will stop and they'll give up and they'll go away and you'll still be there. And so uh, that, to me, that's, that's, that's kind of one of the victories is that um, – you know, here I am, I'm still doing what I love and um, it's it's still rewarding to me. Um, so you can't let the little things stop you from doing it. Nice, nice. Well, thank you so much, Susan. This has been really helpful. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> Great. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Wow, I feel kind of bowled over by her. She, she is just amazing. I mean, she's 5'4", but she comes to us about like 14'4 on the, on the, through my Skype microphone. Right, right. I also liked how that she kept a sense of humor while talking about personal safety. I mean, you know, it's, we all know that none of it is a laughing matter, what, what happens to people, but just keeping the right attitude 
can do a lot as she um, talked about. So, so yeah. And the other thing that I really, I want to emphasize again, because it brought me back to, we have safety tips in the end of um, run like a mother. And there was one that when we were reading the auto book that stood out for me and, it, and it's trust your gut, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't have to be nice. You know, I think we say something like, you know, if someone asks you for directions and you don't get a good feeling about that person, like you don't have to be that ni- nice person that helps them get to the shopping center, you know, like it oh, is yeah. okay for you to keep running and not answer them. Or, and or, I think yeah, sometimes, just... but I, I think though that women, I mean, I'm conditioned to help. If someone asks me for help, my I, I want to help, you know? Yeah. Or I think um, it's, or if you're going down a street and there's one other person and you get kind of a queasy feeling off them, you think, oh, well, I don't want to offend them by turning around or turning here or something. It's like, who cares? You know, if it's going to make sure that you get home safely, you know, then, then risk offending somebody, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Live fearlessly, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Live and run fearlessly. So uh, visit us, please, on our Facebook page, which is Run Like a Mother, the book. Our website is anothermotherrunner.com. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at The Mother Runner. Our books, Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother, are available on Amazon.com as well as our own site. And uh, many happy and safe miles to you. (laughs) 